Welcome back to another episode of Couch Detectives. I'm your host, LB, that's me, and we are in February, which means it's Black History Month. Though in my eyes, Black history is every day of every month. For my international listeners, Black History Month is celebrated yearly for the entire month of February and is to honor African Americans and raise awareness of Black history and the significance of Black people in this world. It began in 1926 as just a week in February in the United States when Carter G. Woodson proposed the idea to celebrate the contributions that African Americans made and make because they are plentiful. And for decades, it was celebrated for just a week. It wasn't until February of 1969 that it was proposed by Black educators at Kent State for it to be celebrated for the entire month of February. And it was the following year in 1970 when they actually celebrated it for the entire month. But it wasn't recognized by the President of the United States until 1976. And it has now received official recognition from governments in Canada and more recently has been observed in Ireland and the United Kingdom. So, happy Black History Month. And with that being said, this month, all of my cases will have an aspect of Black History to them. So I hope you enjoy If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it will encourage you to stick around and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. You can also follow Couch Detectives Podcast for visuals and updates on Instagram at Couch Detectives Podcast. Now let's jump right into it. Today's case is going to be different from our previous cases, as most of them this month will be, because I am going to focus more on the defendant in this case. The conversation might be controversial and I am welcoming all responses and opinions once it's done. I will be having this conversation with a friend so the audio may not be the absolute greatest, so bear with me. Angola, Louisiana, this week I am in your backyard as I bring you this case of redemption. This is the case of Henry Montgomery. In 1963, we have 17-year-old Henry Montgomery. This case takes place in Baton Rouge. Well, what happened takes case in Baton Rouge. And Henry Montgomery was a 17-year-old and he was out skipping school. While he's out skipping school, he's approached by a plain clothes officer. At the time, Henry Montgomery did not know that he was an officer. But this is also a time in the South during segregation. He's approached by a white man and he just so happened to have a gun on him. He had the gun on him. He shot the officer. So he was initially sentenced to death. But after some appeals, after some um, going back and forth with the court, they gave him life without parole in 1966. He has been in prison. In, in 2019, he had been in prison for over 50 years. So my conversation with you today 
is going to be. And I'll tell you what happens in his case as we continue talking. But my conversation with you today, is redemption possible? Do you feel like him, first of all, with the information that you know about that case, do you feel like being in prison that long that he deserves parole? I'm going to tell you what has happened since he's been there. But do you feel like after 50 plus years, he deserves parole? Yeah, well... It depends. Well, initially, yes. Okay. Without knowing any without without knowing any further information, yes, because one during that time, while it may not have been legal mm-hmm. to possess a gun by law, you have the right to protect yourself. There was a right to bear arms. Laws at that time for. Black people were different than they were for anybody else during that time, anyways. Mm-hmm. So, possessing a gun for him and his community, his community might have been for his safety. Right? Was it wrong? Yes, you do have that going against him. He was under age of eighteen. I don't know what the laws are in Louisiana, but I know for most states, under the age of eighteen, you probably can possess. You can um, possess. A long barrel rifle, mm-hmm. like maybe like hunting or something like that. But for, to possess a handgun, you have to be over the age of twenty-one. In nineteen sixty-three. Well, I'm saying just like now, yeah. but if you compare it to the laws back then, the laws back then may have been different, mm-hmm. but they may have been the, they may have been the same. They may have been similar, but even when laws progress against different groups of people even though the law has progressed people's mindset hasn't right any in any sense though in 50 years anyone can be rehabilitated though right so and here is the argument and this is the debate that i'm going to um give more information about in a second so in 2012 the u.s supreme court ruled that a mandatory life without parole for a juvenile was unconstitutional and successful. Right. And they said because the science say that the adolescent's brain is not fully matured. So what happened then is Harry Montgomery, but it, it didn't apply to people who were already serving a life sentence. So for Harry Montgomery, he was already serving his life sentence. So this new mandate did not apply to him. So then in 2016, he went to the U.S. Supreme Court and he brought his case like, listen, I was sentenced to life without parole why does this not apply to me is a miller versus alabama was the case and he's like why does this not apply to me and he won so in 2016 he now and now what they call them juvenile lifers it was now um people who were no matter what time you were given life without parole everybody had the chance if you were sentenced as a juvenile you now had the chance to go up for parole but the situation was even though it was in 1963, he killed a cop. So the argument continued to be because people from his case, from the U.S., from the um, Montgomery versus the state of Louisiana, which was his case where he's like, listen, I've been in prison since I was 17. This law that was put in place in 2012 with Miller versus Alabama says that 
as a juvenile, our brains were not developed. Why does this not apply to me? So once his um, law, once his case was, yes, once his argument was approved, more than hundreds of people who were sentenced as juveniles got out based off of Henry Montgomery's um, argument in his case, but he was still in prison. Do you feel like it's because he killed a cop? Yes. There's a lot of prejudice against anybody who kills a cop. Even if you kill, even if you kill and canines are considered officer of the law, mm-hmm. you get a stricter sentence for killing a canine, an officer canine, than you will get for killing another person. Mm-hmm. And the officer of the law is like a fraternity. And <laughs> any type of fraternity, it's a brotherhood. When you know you're wrong, and it, like when you got a strong, when you got a relationship, when you got a bond like that, the first thing that you do is you protect them in public mm-hmm. and you check them in private. That's the thing. So they're going to stand up for their people. So even though he was 17 and the charges may have been excessive, they're still going to stand behind their people. Even after so much time, though. Even after so much time, there's it's not then at some point in time now you're going off a legacy mm-hmm. because like it's still like once you enter the brotherhood you have to abide by the rules and you have to abide by the culture of what that brotherhood represents. So this person, the only thing that they see from this person, and it doesn't go for everybody because everybody has their own mind, but mm-hmm. some people conform to the culture. And some people have their own mind and they fight for exactly what they enlisted for, exactly what they agreed to, exactly what they took the oath for. Some people, they really become officers because they really want to see a change. And to make a change, you have to be an ally from the inside. Right. Some people, they just actually just kind of want to be officers because it's a profession that they would like to pursue. And then they conform to the brotherhood. But there's more people that conform to the brotherhood than there is that people who fight for a righteous cause. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's not it's, it's not even always a sense that he, where he needs to be re- rehabilitated because in his mind he might have done the right thing that he felt at that time. Coming at, coming up in that time, an officer approached him. Right. And I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's a white officer. Yes. So one, he's a juvenile. He's a male. He's got two strikes against him he's i mean he's a juvenile black male he's got the strikes against him mm-hmm. so he has the right to feel endangered so he he's already in fear for his life right now while he may or may not been able to have the gun you can make the case that even if you bring the case if you bring the case up right now when you bring it up against um what was his name um at the riots uh proud it was a 17-year-old who came across state lines. He had the rifle, and he, Kyle, he claimed to... Kyle Rittenhouse, the, the little... Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, it's a similar case in terms of the age and the possession of the gun. They threw out his right to have possession of the gun. Mm-hmm. So now he's in legal right to be where he is supposed to be. They threw out the curfew. They threw out him having the possession of the gun. So now it's just, did he have that? Um, was he was he able to? I can't think of the wording right now, 
But so the case worked in his behalf based on what the courts were able to throw out based on the facts of the case and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. with, if you apply that same logic to the 17-year-old in the 1960s, mm-hmm. given racial tensions, does he really need rehabilitated? Not necessarily. He had he he actually had a reasonable suspicion, like he actually had was a reasonable thought in his mind to actually fear for his life. Right, and it was an off-duty officer. No, he was not doing. He was he was just in plain clothes. So, and this is nothing like I'm never. you're You're a plain clothes officer. So, in my mind, during the time that during the era where where he was caught and where he was charged. I have a reason. I have a reasonable. It's reasonable for me to feel in danger, right? Because it's not that just you're an officer, and the officers during that time, they treated black people the same way that non-officers treated people at that time. Mm-hmm. So, Which was how? Which was how? For my could, listeners who don't understand. So, because I have international listeners, for listeners who might not understand, how were they treated as a black? 17 year old man and you as a black man who can speak on this more than I don't say more than I can but you you live as a black man in America how was it different how were they treated and why would you say that he had a reason to be fearful at that time okay so at that time black people weren't black people weren't treated as equals and if you think about the uh, how long people lived during that time let's just say 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. So you're one generation removed from slavery. Right. Wars. There was two wars at that time. Mm-hmm. Black people went to war. They came home. They were still treated as less than a person. Right. Um, and like I said, we were one generation removed from slavery. We're one generation removed from when the general consensus of America was that black people were not counted in the census. And we're still in segregation because segregation wasn't ended until the year after this. So this is still a time of segregation. There were three. We're one generation removed from when the American consensus was that black Americans were three fifths of a person Mm -hmm. in terms of the census. So, at that point in time, now desegregation happened after this case, right? But we're still, but there's still racial tensions. Mm-hmm. So you can you can go and serve your country, you can work a job, you can have a business. You're still not seen as a person. You're still not seen as equal. You're still not having the same opportunities. You're still denied access to education, funding for a business. Um, predatory loans you still you're not seen as a person and everybody around you is seeing is see you as a threat mm-hmm. even though they're the ones committing threatening behavior towards you even at 17 years old which this is not something even that at is, 17 years old it's continued it, you see the time, kids now that are still killed as a young child you're seen as a threat mainly because he's you're black. he's 17 mm-hmm. he was arrested for killing an officer that he might have felt that was a threat to him. Mm-hmm. Emmett Till was half his age. Listen, 
Listen, Emmett Till is one of those cases still to this day. Emmett Till was half his Emmett Till was half his age. Fourteen, he not half, a little, just a little younger. <laughs> it was a little bit younger, but Emmett Till was a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. Emmett Till, he was killed because he was perceived to look at someone the wrong way. Of the opposite race. Of the opposite race and gender. Mm -hmm. He was killed by brutally. a white man. Brutally. Who was perceived as a threat. Mm -hmm. Who could have been, been reasonably perceived as a threat. And the way the court goes, the case would be dismissed if there's a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. a, reasonable a reasonable person would doubt that it was murder. It was self-defense. He had a reasonable assumption to believe that he was in fear for his life at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So if every all things being equal. Right. And I think if everything was right, if, if, if everything was as it is now. Do you think if this case happened today, he wouldn't? You think this case, if you think this, if you, if this case happened in 2022, do you think that he wouldn't be given life? Like it's a black teenager killing an officer, regardless of how much they kill black teenagers. If a black teenager in 2022 killed an officer in plain clothes, I feel like the results would be the same. Henry Montgomery was sentenced initially to death, but they ruled that it well, he didn't have a fair trial at that time. So that's why he was resentenced to life without parole. But I feel like history repeats itself. If this case happened in 2022, I think, well, now that these laws are in place, he will probably, he will get life with the possibility of parole if he's a juvenile, because now because of Henry Montgomery, juvenile offenders are, they cannot do well. they have to have the opportunity for parole because of this case. I'm not sure I have to do more research. I'm not sure if it's across the country, but for sure in Louisiana, simply because of Henry Montgomery's 2016 case against Louisiana. If you are a juvenile lifer is what they're called, then you have to have the opportunity for pro because scientifically you are not fully developed. So there's the that's argument of right and wrong. But that's why, that's why in, in our country, well, I know at least in our state, juvenile life, juvenile life lasts from whatever juvenile years that you have up until you're 21. And then you have post-release control mm -hmm. up until you're 23, 25, where you have to go without any violations. No run-ins with the law or anything like that. Not sure how it is every, in, in any other country. But Louisiana has a different set of laws. Mm -hmm. So you also have to take that into account. Right. Do you feel like there are... Louisiana is sort of a... I'm, I'm not going to say it's like a sovereign state, but it's, Louisiana has a stricter set of laws. Plus, they don't have county jails. So even if it is in 2022, he's not going to a county jail. He's going to a state prison until his case can be heard. Without the operate, without the means to post bail, he's fighting the case from the inside. If you're fighting the case as a prisoner, the general public is going to assume that you're guilty until proven innocent, even though the law says you're innocent until proven guilty, which is the prevailing um, argument for anybody who stays behind jail and who's fighting the case behind jail, behind bars. Mm -hmm. And which is a restriction that a lot of that a lot of politicians who claim to be allies by pot are arguing. It's unfair to fight a case from behind bars. 
because even though you have the public opinion, mm-hmm. which is why they say, why they tell jurors, don't talk about the case. How does that look when I'm coming to the courtroom in an orange jumpsuit to try to fight a case mm-hmm. that I'm completely innocent of? Right. Do you feel like there are some, are there any offenses that deserves a life without parole sentence? Can you think of there any? Are. What do you, what would you think? So tell me what you think they are and then I'll ask you my question. What do you think there are, what offenses deserves a life without parole case and then will it is it fair that they don't get the chance for redemption there are cases of murder there are cases there are cases of violence against another human being Mm -hmm. murder like and but you have to go with the facts of the case Mm -hmm. serial killers life without parole that's easy (laughs) Okay, because you feel like they have the opposite of chance, they will likely commit the crime again. There's a strong possibility. Okay. Yes. Okay. But I mean, but you got, but if you, but you have to look, you look at the pattern of behavior. You look at serial killers, um, like, and when they look at serial killers, they do psychological evaluations mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, and you look at the pattern of behavior from the psychological evaluations. You look at the actions that they took. There's a likelihood that they will continue this pattern. Right. They might try to resist it, but at the end of the day, people who commit those type of crimes, they have a tendency to continue to commit those type of crimes, but they because they've been doing it for a long time before they graduated to serial murders. Right. Of people, they killed dogs, they killed animals, and they took enjoyment of that. Right. Crimes against children. Oh God! Rape, rape, and sexual assault against children underage. And you mm-hmm. took a child's innocence. Yeah. Thievery. You took a child. You took the child's choice to be who they wanted, who they could have grown to be. Right. They never had a choice to grow up into what they wanted to be or could have been. And it's so it's traumatic. traumatic. I agree. Now it's so- traumatic, and some of them never get over that. Absolutely. And then they go on to possibly, this is not everybody, so this claim is not everybody, but in some cases they go on to do the same things to other people because it was done to them in their childhood. So I'm not going to keep you for a lot longer. So in 2000, after his um, case against the state of Louisiana, in 2018, he went up for his first parole hearing and he was denied. So again... Because of his case, other people are getting out. Juvenile lifers that were in before and after him are getting out because of his case. But in 2018, when he goes up for parole, they denied it. And I'm thinking it's simply because it was a police officer. So again, 2019 rolls around. Go ahead, come. How was his con? What was his conduct in prison? But here's but here's the thing about the conduct. But here, but, but here's a slippery slope about the conduct in prison. Okay. Once you get behind those walls, it's a jungle. Yeah, especially in so, Angola, where he was located. But Angola, Angola in specific, is a jungle. So you literally have to do what you have to do to survive. So, like, so now, whereas 
it's kind of like you kind of coerced into a different person than you would have been in a different circumstance. Survival now, you have, to do, you have to do some survive. There's been movies made about it. I cannot remember the names right now, but there's been movies made. The one with Q-Tip. His friend, when they were young, his friend went to jail. Q-Tip got out. He got. In, he went into a um, foster home. He started. He got into music, mm-hmm. and then he got into a situation where he had to defend himself or whatever it was. But his friend was in there the whole time. But his friend kind of conformed into the society to where he was at that entire time because he that was based since he went as a young child. Mm-hmm. His, his mind wasn't fully developed. The only That's thing that he thing. knew from that point on was conforming to prison life and. At that point, survival tactics kick in. So it's like it's. But here's eat, the thing: that wasn't Harry Montgomery. That wasn't Harry Montgomery situation. He was in there and he was doing what he was supposed to do. He had never had any situation where he had offenses brought against him while he was in jail. So when it was time for him to come up for parole, that was the argument. He's done what he's supposed to do. He's done the courses. He's made sure that he's been rehabilitated or doing the work for himself. So in 2018, when it when he was denied parole, it was like. Why am I being denied parole again? And the thing that he's thinking is because of the police. It's a police officer. So in 2019, he goes up for parole again. He's denied again. And this time they say, well, he needs more courses. At this point, he's been in prison for like 55 years. So he's been there. What more could be done for him to show you? Listen, because of me. Because of Montgomery versus Louisiana, there are so many people who have already been released. Why is it that if I'm the person who brought this to the court, I've done my courses, I have my disciplinary action or my discipline file is excellent. I've not done anything that I wasn't supposed to do. Why are you guys not granting me parole? Now, there are people, there's a the daughter of the officer that he killed obviously she's going to come to the parole here and she's going to argue he's not he should not be released he's 50 no at this point he's 72 what threat do you feel like at 72 a 72 year old poses on society like what threat could he possibly now here's the thing because i'm all for victims on my podcast we talk about it all the time i speak for the victim and charles hurt was a victim in this case there's no doubt about that prayers for his family he shouldn't have been killed and in the same sense what threat at 72 he served his time 55 years in prison why are you denying him his um parole and they're saying he needs more courses like what more courses can you do he's missed life has changed 55 years you've missed out on everything outside what the world do the world has changed the world this? has changed since then absolutely so what courses or what can be done to prepare him or what more do you think that he needs to prepare him for life outside of prison why are you denying his parole do you still think that is because of the officer at the at, at that point once you present the facts that he has an outstanding record with no demerits. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of the time period. The only common denominator of why anyone would want to keep him in prison would possibly be the officer. Is the fact that he was an officer. Mm-hmm. 
in my opinion. I'm not a legal expert, <laughs> but I am a man of reason. So you feel like he deserves to be and paroled out? Yes. Well. At least, at least, at the very least, post-release. With post release with post release control for what eighteen months? However long. Well, However long. Just last year, in November of two thousand twenty one, after fifty seven years in prison, he was finally granted parole at seventy. Five years old. He is 75 and he was released in 2021, last year, November. So he's now out. But look at how much he's missed. Now, granted, he deserved some type of punishment. I will say that again. I am always going to speak for the victims. He deserved to pay for his crime. But 57 years in prison, I feel like is a lot, especially when you're um, convicted as a teenager. I feel like that's a really long time to serve in prison, but I also understand what the families have to go through. And they argued when he was released, they said they don't feel like he should have been released. Even at 75 years old, they don't feel like he should. His daughter said that she didn't feel like he was sorry. Even though he was 17, he knew right from wrong and she felt like he should still remain behind bars, which I understand that. Now look, well, okay, at 17 years old, you know right from wrong, but you don't always know the severity of your actions Absolutely. or decisions. Absolutely. That's one thing. That's one thing, too, you have to take into. So now you've taken to the account of a juvenile, uh, not fully developed mind. You've also taken into being a juvenile and the fear that came with the time mm-hmm. and you also have to take into account that the system, the government is not now and has not always been just towards people of color, minority races of any of anyone, but what people say that an American is mm-hmm. and that's not just black people or Native Americans. That's also the Irish and that's also the Asians. That's women. Mm-hmm. That's the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, he had, you have a reasonable assumption to believe that, that he had a fear. Right. So now, while the pun, like, and then as well, the punishment does not fit the crime. It was kind of excessive. Yeah. You got, he was probably charged with some type of like aggravated murder. Murder. He was charged. And they sentenced him to the fullest extent of the law. And it's like had it been had it had it been today, mm-hmm. would he have got would he have gotten sentenced to life? He would have gotten tried he would have gotten tried as an adult because it was an officer. Right. He would have gotten tried as an adult. Would he have gotten found guilty? Did he fire the gun? Yes. Did he have a gun? Was he able to have possession of the gun in his, in his on his person under the age of eight? Under the age of twenty one in most states? No, he was not. Could it have been thrown out at the discretion of the prosecutor? Um, 
depends on the facts of the case or who was the aggressor in the situation, what was the facts behind of why the officer approached him. That's up for grabs. Mm -hmm. But 15, I've seen people get 15 years for manslaughter and murder. I've seen, I've seen and heard, seen people get 20 years, 20 to 33 years for armed robbery. There's also been people who've gotten 50 years for drugs. Yeah. But there's also, but there's also been not to I me mean, because we're going to bring race into it because that was a racially charged time. Yeah. There's also been people who've gotten who just in Akron. I live in Akron, Ohio. Mm -hmm. In Akron, there was a guy charged. He, he was found guilty of what was it? It was a violent offense. Mm -hmm. He went to jail. His plea he had to serve time in the county jail instead of going to prison. The maximum time in the county jail was 18 months. Anything outside of that, you get shipped off to prison. He served two years. He, he was sentenced to serve two years in the county jail. He was allowed to leave for a wedding from the county jail, but had to turn himself back in. But he was also able to leave for work and had to turn himself back into the jail. But that's the sim in the similar cases where there have been black people who were taken directly to jail. But when there was a white person with a gun, he they took him to Burger King. Yeah, that's and that's, and that's, that's the, the fight. Like the people at the church, they took him to Burger King because he said he was hungry. Yeah, and that's a battle that I feel like. Um, I don't think a lot of my international listeners really understand like the justice system in America is completely flawed. So I'm going to finish this up here. I have a question for you and I'm going to end it. It's for completely you, flawed. It's based on revenge. It's not based on, it's not based on justice. Mm, that'll preach. So for you, what does it mean to be a black man in America? To be a black man in America means to walk on eggshells, mm. but you also have to walk with your chest out and your your head high. You have to show no fear. You have to show very little emotion. You have to sometimes hide who you really are. And sometimes you have to take pain when you don't want to. And you have to deal with your struggles alone sometimes. Sometimes you have to think with the mindset that I know what's right, I know what's wrong, but I have to make it back home to my family. Being a black man in America is hard because even when you're doing good, you have to do twice as good as your white counterparts to be recognized just as good. Mm. And in current times, you would think that it would be less of an issue, but you can see that it's still just as much as an issue. That's in regular life. That's with regular earners, that's with millionaires, that's with billionaires. 
the world is pretty unforgiving. So you just have to make a decision on what is it that you want to, what is it that you want your legacy to be? In the NFL, Brian Flores, he has a case against the NFL right now because he feel like there's not enough diversity or you can't make one mistake. You can't have a bad season as an NFL coach. There's not enough diversity. Most of the sports leagues, the most popular sports leagues are majority black, but most of the owners and the coaches are white. And it's not just on the same criteria. When you look at the workforce, they always promise diversity and it's only as good as the bottom line. And it's only as good as your frontline workers. But once you get into upper management, it's pretty much the same demographics. So being a black man in America is it's like a compass. But there's magnets all around. And you really have to just kind of navigate by the stars. Because they put the compass in front of you, but it doesn't lead you where you want to go. Thank you. Wow. Not tearing up. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode and all of your input. I hope my listeners take it and I hope they understood what was being said today. You are so appreciated. So happy Black History Month. And thank you. Happy Black History Month to you. Thank you. As well. Rest in peace to Sandra Bland. Yes, sir. Thank you. So again, the Black History moment in this case is when on January 25th, 2016, the Supreme Court delivered a judgment in favor of Henry Montgomery that upheld the Miller versus Alabama law in 2012 that says a mandatory life sentence with out parole should not be applied to a person convicted of murder as a juvenile, and it should be applied retroactively, meaning even those who were already serving their life sentence without parole. And this decision affects up to 2,300 cases nationwide. Many offenders have been released because of Henry Montgomery. Do you remember what it was like being 17? Yeah. Young, wild, stupid. During his 58 years in prison, Henry Montgomery became a model member of the prison community. He served as a coach on the prison boxing team. He worked in the prison silkscreen program, and he consistently offered advice to younger inmates who looked up to him, and many were released because of him. He did the crime, and I do believe he served his time. This is not to take away from the pain and hurt that Charles Hurt's family had to endure because of Henry's actions. He was still a victim and they have every right to be upset and they had every right to oppose his release. I am, however, glad that he was paroled because I do believe that he learned his lesson and he made a difference in the process. I'm real sorry that uh, I, you know, this this, this did happen. I, you know, I had not known 
destroy the whole family. If I'm going to have to live with this all my life, the rest of my life. Since Henry's U.S. Supreme Court ruling in January 2016, over 800 men and women across the country have been able to come home, have been given second chances, and are able to rebuild their lives. In all honesty, Henry probably should have been the first one of us to come home. However, he is home today. Happy Black History Month, Couch Detectives. And until next time, keep an eye out on your backyard. Yeah.